Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. That's 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll be looking tonight at that passage. Um... This passage may seem a little technical, just like last week seemed a little bit technical. Um, It's dealing tonight with the qualifications for pastors and deacons. Um, And you might ask, why do we need to hear that? I I mean, I just want to come and hear the gospel preached, right? And, and, And that's true. And I want to preach the gospel from this insofar as I can. But why... Does it matter to you what the qualifications of a pastor should be? That's what I should be concerned about, right? The pastor. I'll tell you a couple of reasons why, why the whole congregation be, should be concerned about this text. Um, sometimes, from time to time, a, a person within the congregation uh, might be called upon to be a part of selecting a new pastor. And when that time comes the people who are on a search committee or whatever will need to know what does the Bible say about who our pastor should be. So, because we want to be ruled by the Bible, right? We, we, want, we want the Bible to be what informs us about who's qualified to be a pastor or a deacon, the offices that the New Testament gives us. Another thing, um, also, um, there may be... Um, People within a congregation uh, that may feel a call to ministry, and that's a time for self-examination. Examine yourself and see: Am I qualified for the role that I'm I'm seeking here? Uh, the, the text even begins with, "If anyone aspires to the office." So it's, it's something that internally a person desires to do. And so we ought to see, okay, if I have this desire, am I qualified by the Bible? Um, another reason, um, the pastor needs to be held accountable. Okay? Um, the pastor is, is not a role that can just run the church without any kind of accountability. The congregation needs to hold the pastor accountable. And so if the congregation is going to hold a a pastor accountable, they need to know what the Bible says a pastor's job is. That is is so that the congregation knows, is this pastor doing what the Bible says? And it's also to protect a pastor so that he doesn't have other qualifications that are not biblical being the standard. Maybe you've seen it before, a listing of a job description for a pastor, and you may think, I don't even think the Apostle Paul could meet that, right? (laughs) There are sometimes some churches will hold such a high standard. uh, Well, we need somebody who's just a great charismatic speaker, and, uh, you know, he's got to have so many kids, and, you know, we need a young guy so that we can, you know, really be able to reach the youth. But what does the Bible say? are the qualifications for a pastor. So all of those reasons, I hope uh, that you kind of get the idea of why this is important for a whole church and not just for the pastor. 
Let's go ahead and dive in and and, uh, read our text. Uh, We'll be dealing with both pastors and deacons tonight. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must, uh, he must not be a recent convert, or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, nor greedy for honest, dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then, let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we want to submit to Your Word. We want to do what Your Word says. Lord, help us to understand this, to apply it. Lord, help us to live in the way that Your Word calls us to. Father, help me. I sin and I fall short in so many ways. Give me grace as I approach this text. Give me grace and strength as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul begins, this saying is trustworthy. He starts off with just saying, you can... Trust this. This is this is trustworthy. You can take this to the bank. Okay. Um, he he, he uh, emphasizes this because he 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 wants this for all of the churches, not just the specific church in in uh, Ephesus, but for all of the churches to trust this word, this saying that he's about to say. Now he says, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Uh, the office there, overseer. The word there in the Greek might sound familiar. I'm going to say it in Greek, episkopos. Okay? May sound familiar like episcopal, right? Episcopal. And the word there is sometimes translated bishop. Um, in 1 Peter, uh, which we've gone through, 1 Peter chapter 5, 
Um, here is a, is a place that also talks about pastors. I'm going to use this as a reference to, to kind of illustrate uh, how I, I'm, I know this is talking about pastors here. Uh, so I exhort the elders. Okay, that's a, another term for pastors that the New Testament use. I, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of, cro- uh, flock of God. Okay, that, that word shepherd is the word for pastoring. Okay, so you've got elder, shepherd for pastoring that is among you, exercising oversight. And that exercising oversight is the verb form of this word episkopos. So you've got all three terms that the New Testament uses for pastors, elder, um, pastor, and bishop, all, all referring to the same thing there in 1 Peter. And I think that's what it's talking about here in um, 1 Timothy chapter 3. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone offered... Uh, aspires to the office of overseer, of pastor, okay? Um, And it's something that you feel an internal calling towards. It's something that a person aspires to. And Paul is saying, if, if you're a person who aspires to this office, to be a pastor, then be this kind of person. This is, this is the kind of character that you need to develop in your own life if you want to lead God's church. Be this kind of a person. And he says, if anyone aspires to this office, he desires a noble task. He says it's a good thing for someone to desire this. Um, that, that may be uh, not surprising to us today, but think about back in Paul's day whenever they were facing persecution. It may have been the pastors that were the first ones to be experiencing persecution. And uh, so, you know, maybe not everybody was just jumping to, to be, the, be, the, be the preacher because they might be the first one to experience that persecution. But here, he, Paul says he desires a noble task. It's a good thing that he desires. So now he begins to uh, tell our uh, qualifications. And rather than being redundant, I made up a little chart here. You can see... I, I, You probably can't see it from where you're at. I made up a little chart. Most of the things on this list that Paul gives for pastors are the same things that he gives for deacons. So I won't go over them twice. We're going to kind of deal with each qualification together. And the first thing we notice about all these qualifications is most of them have to do with character. Most of them have to do with character. They're not talking about abilities. Having to be a great speaker, having to uh, you know be a real charismatic person—none of those things. They're talking about character, godliness. The first thing he says: an overseer must be above reproach. He says above reproach here in. Uh, about pastors, and he also uses the same word—not uh, exactly the same word—in verse in uh, about deacons. I wish I would have written down the verse. Uh, verse ten: They must prove themselves blameless. Same idea here, above reproach. Excuse me, above reproach or blameless. It means this person, uh, if you want to be a pastor, you need to live your life 
above reproach, uh, above any kind of accusation. If there's anyone, if there's anything that, uh, if a person points at you and says, I can't believe that person's a pastor because of the way he lives out there, then that is not above reproach. Um, Also, he must be the husband of one wife. The husband of one wife. Uh, This is um, said the same way for both pastors and deacons. A husband of one wife. And there have been different positions on what this means. Some have suggested that this means that a a pastor cannot be polygamous, having more than one wife. Um, uh, Others, I I don't think that that's the one, because in Paul's day, uh, especially among Jewish people, that would have not been very common. Um, that they, only, only somebody that was wealthy could even afford to have more than one wife. Um, so I, I don't think that one was it. Also, uh, some have said that this means that a, a pastor cannot be divorced. Um, I actually don't think that is the case either. I think that uh, what he's saying here, whenever it says a husband of one wife, literally the Greek says a one-woman man. A one-woman man. And so I think uh, from, from the construction of the Greek, I think it makes the most sense to say uh, somebody who is faithful in marriage, someone who has a proven track record of not being a womanizer or uh, somebody who's out chasing women, okay? It's somebody who has a proven track record of being faithful. Um, that's what I think it means to be a one-woman man or to be a husband of one wife. Next, he says sober-minded. Sober-minded uh, is used of pastors, and it's also it's not used of deacon, deacons, but it's actually used of deacons' wives. Sober-minded. Now that brings up something. Why is sober-minded used of deacon or of pastors and deacons' wives, but not deacons? Does it mean that deacons don't have to be sober-minded? I would say that these lists are not comprehensive. They're not comprehensive. Uh, in other words, I think these are the kinds of character qualities, and, and he, may, he, he may be, uh, it's not just that, you know, if you have all these things that are on this list, then you're okay. He's, he's giving a representative list. Uh, so I, I think both pastors and deacons, and, and also their wives, should be sober-minded. And that means just serious. Uh, not uh, um, flippant about life and ministry, but taking a, a real serious... I mean, the, the things that we have to deal with in ministry are life and death. They're heaven and hell. And so we need to be sober-minded. Self-controlled. And again, this is named for pastors and it's not named for deacons. You wonder why. Again, I think this, it's not an exhaustive list or a com- comprehensive list for, for each of these. Uh, I think both pastors and deacons need to be people who practice self-control. Um, and and uh, uh, that, that, I think, means a lot of different things. Um, we need to be uh, people who, who uh, have lived disciplined lives. Um, where, uh, you know, I think it matters that we take care of ourselves um, 
and take care of our, our families uh, in, a, in a disciplined and self-controlled way. Respectable or dignified is used both of pastors, deacons, and of their wives. Hospitable is only named of pastors. Uh, now, hospitable, we, we get the idea, hospitality. We want to open our homes and, and allow people to come in. Uh, Amy, recently, we've actually read recently a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. One of the most effective means of evangelism today, I think, is opening up your home and inviting people to come in and share the gospel with them there. They're a lot more willing to come to your house in a neutral setting than they are to probably come in this door, in the doors of this building. So I think hospitality is something not just for the pastor, but for any church leader, and for that matter, any church member. We ought to be hospitable. And there are other scriptures elsewhere that say that that's something that all of us should be, is hospitable. (coughs) Now here, I'm going to skip over the next one, because that one has to do with an ability rather than a character quality. Able to teach. I'm going to come back to that. Not a drunkard. Here, this names it for both pastors and deacons. Not a drunkard or not given to much wine. Does that mean that a pastor or a deacon has to be a teetotaler? Well, that's the way I personally live, but I don't think that the Bible commands that. I think that the Bible condemns drunkenness. Um, uh, I, I think that it's a wise thing to, to avoid alcohol uh, and, and avoid uh, drunkenness. But at the same time, uh, I don't think that the, the Bible gives us uh, warrant to, to say that's something that every single Christian has to hold to. Um, as long as it's done responsibly and not, um, um, not given to drunkenness. Um, if uh, I think if a, a man and wife want to have a glass of wine with dinner together and not go out driving afterwards, I think that's perfectly fine for them. I won't, you won't catch me doing it, but I think that's perfectly fine for them, and we ought not to judge one another for that sake. <coughs> not violent, but gentle. Here's another character quality. It's said about pastors, and it's not said about deacons. Does that mean that the deacons can be violent and, and, uh, uh, and quarrelsome? Okay? I don't think so. It doesn't mean that a deacon can be violent and quarrelsome. Uh, again, these are not necessarily <coughs> exhaustive or comprehensive lists. But they're the kinds of character qualities. <coughs> it looks like Amy's going to get me some water. Why would it be that a pastor needs to be not violent but gentle and not quarrelsome? Um, wouldn't that be just a duh, right? Well, of course, we don't want our pastors to be violent people going around beating people up. But you know what? There have been churches that have had pastors that are uh, domineering, that are that are, are uh, um, that uh, push themselves around like a bully. And that's not what a pastor should be. The pastor is to be caring for the flock of God. Teaching. Being patient with people. Thank you. Not using our position of authority to bludgeon people into obedience. 
and quarrelsome. My goodness. Um, I, I just I, 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 I know from my time at seminary that being a seminary student um, makes it very, very tempted, tempting to be quarrelsome. We can, we can sit and talk about theology and argue and argue and argue. And we can point out the flaws in everybody else's sermons, can't we? Um, that is not what should characterize our lives, being quarrelsome. Um, now, let's, let's uh, take an objection to that. Jude says that we should contend earnestly for the faith. He says to fight for the faith. Now, Jude here is saying contend earnestly for the faith, and Paul here is saying that the pastor should not be quarrelsome. How can those two things coexist? Here, I, I, I think one thing, we do contend earnestly, but our contending needs to be teaching. It's not, it should not be name-calling. It cannot be slander and libel and things like that. Um, if you look at social media today, Christians are often at each other's throats, and a lot of it is just this. It's being quarrelsome. And it ought not to be what, uh, what characterizes a pastor, someone who's to care for the flock of God. Not a lover of money. That's something that's listed for both pastors and deacons. Manage his own household well. And keeping children submissive. Those are in both pastors and deacons. And then the reason why he says that a, a pastor should, be, should manage his own household well and keep his children submissive, we see in verse for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the God's church? We need to, a pastor needs to be someone who can, for one, manage his own household well. You know, and, and this is an area where I find myself weak. I've got a lot of debt. Do I manage my household well? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, or um, keeping children submissive. Does that mean if a, if a, if a child is uh, having to be carried out and get a spanking during the middle of a service, <laughs> does that mean that that pastor should step down or that deacon should step down? I don't think so. But generally, I think uh, it, it means that, uh, that uh, a a a pastor or a deacon needs to be someone who is able to lead their family well. To lead their family well. I think um, uh, th that having debt may raise a, a question about someone. Um, but I think ultimately, each church has to judge what, uh, what is acceptable for their church. Um, does that make sense? Uh, Baptists are congregational. We don't have a, a top-down um, hierarchy where you have 
level over level over level of, of, of hierarchy. But each church is autonomous. So the, 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 the people who determine whether a pastor is qualified for his role is the congregation. And so as I stand before you, and you know that I have a debt, that's for the members of Redeemer Baptist Church to, to determine. Um, able, to get, able to care for God's church. The, the reason why a pastor should be someone who manages his own household well and keeps his children submissive is how can someone who can't manage his own household well care for God's church? Um, but it says that about pastors, and it doesn't say it about deacons. I think there's something significant there. But we'll move on. Not a recent convert. Um, a pastor cannot be someone who is a recent convert. It says here, he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Puffed up with conceit? You ordain a new convert, a new believer as a pastor and it might make them... Uh, conceited, it might make them boastful or proud. And what was the devil's downfall? It was pride. Um, for deacons, it doesn't exactly say not a new convert. Instead, I think it's something similar. It says here, um, verse 10. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Okay? So that a deacon must be tested. You've got to watch their life for a while. The church has to watch their life and see, is this somebody who's qualified? I think that fits pretty well with not a new convert. Um, both, uh, you've got to watch their life and make sure that a person is, is uh, the kind of person who meets these qualifications. Um, well thought of by outsiders. It says this about a pastor. Um, verse 7. He must, uh, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Um, it matters what people think of a pastor outside of the church. It's not just those who are in the church. And the church members need to be concerned about what people think of the pastor. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, the pastor needs to be uh, conforming to the world so that the people on the outside think well of him. But that, what probably that means is more like, okay, I'm a bivocational pastor. Do people on the outside see me as someone who's honest in my business dealings? You know, I was uh, installing Dish Network. Did I perform my duties to the best of my ability? And did I, uh, was I a good worker on the outside? Because that reflects on how I would lead as a pastor. And, and now I'm going to be in the insurance business. The person everybody loves, right? Well, when you've had a fire, you do. <coughs> And, and, and so what I do in my work outside of church will reflect on how other people on the outside see me. 
It concerns you to know that I'm on the up and up and that I'm doing things with integrity on my work outside of the church as well. Um, must be well thought of by outsiders. And for deacons, um, similarly, it doesn't say well thought of by outsiders. Instead, it says, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also a great confidence in their faith that is in Christ Jesus. I think that kind of fits well together. Um, well thought of by outsiders, gaining a good standing. Now here's a couple of things that are named for deacons and are not named for pastors. It says not double-tongued. Does that mean a pastor can be a liar? No. Again, these are not exhaustive lists. Um, holds the mystery of the faith. Okay? I think, uh, of course, that doesn't mean that a pastor doesn't have to understand the mysteries of the faith. Uh, We need to be able to study to show ourselves approved. And that, I think, is something that that a deacon must do. Uh, Not that he should be able to teach, but that he should understand clearly what the Gospel says. To be able to understand and distinguish truth from falsehood. And then finally, faithful in all things. And that's something that's named of deacons' wives. It's not even named about pastors or deacons. Does that mean that a pastor or a deacon doesn't have to be faithful in all things? No. Again, they're not exhaustive things. I think these are character qualities that all Christians should really strive towards. But particularly for those who are the leaders in the church, we must have these things in order to be able to serve in qualified ways. Now finally, the one I said we'd come back to, able to teach. Everything on these lists have been character qualities, character qualities, character qualities. The distinguishing thing that's different is this one right here, able to teach. A pastor, it says he has to have an ability. He has to be able to teach. Whereas a deacon, it doesn't. He should understand the faith. He should be able to tell the difference between true and false teaching. He should be able to hold the mystery of the faith. But the, the duty of a deacon is not the duty of, of uh, teaching. Now, a, a deacon that can teach, that's a good thing. It's, it's a helpful thing. And, and I'm sure it's a blessing to a church if, if a deacon is capable of that. But it's not one of the requirements meant for a deacon. Same thing here. Able to care for God's church. Now, a deacon is told that he must manage his own household well and keep his children submissive, but it does not then follow and say that a a deacon must care for God's church. But it says that of a pastor. There's two qualifications here that I think distinguish pastors and deacons. I want to go back to the names of these things. Episcopos, uh, a, a bishop or a, a, an overseer. That's, that's what it, the term for pastor is saying. Someone who's exercising authority, like the passage in 1 Peter said. Deacon, the word diakonos, means servant. The verb form is someone who waits tables. And we can think of, of the, the first deacons from Acts chapter 6. Remember the story, if you're familiar with the story, um, there was a dispute that rose up within the church. And um, 
the, the dispute was be- between the Greek-speaking widows and the Hebrew-speaking widows. And um, the, they were arguing because one was jealous of the other, feeling like they were getting left out in the distribution of food. And the apostles said, we can't take our time out of um, the Bible reading and prayer, out of, of studying the Scriptures and prayer to be able to go and work on ta- work, uh, wait tables. And so they said, set apart seven men from among yourselves who are full of the Holy Spirit. And uh, they, they uh, called on those men to, to be the ones who took care of these physical needs. I think that may be the distinction here between pastors and deacons. The pastors are those who are the spiritual leaders of the congregation, the ones who are doing the teaching, the ones who are... are uh, exercising authority, and by that I think um, casting a vision for the church and saying this is the direction we're going to go, um, and doing pastoral care among the people. And deacons, I think, take care of the, the, uh, minis- the, the um, physical ministries of the church. Things like benevolence ministry. I think that's something that a, a deacon should take care of. Um, building needs. That's something that I think is a responsibility of a deacon. It's a serving role. Um, I would say managing the books of a church. Uh, financial regard. And also, um, like the position of a clerk. Someone who is keeping the records for the church. The membership role and things like that. Those are serving roles. Um, I think that's where the distinction lies. And I'm going to say something uh, that may surprise some people. I think other people have had conversations with about this, and, and you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, last week, we talked about men and women in the church, and I said, I think that uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 says that uh, um, whenever it says that a woman cannot teach or exercise authority over a man, I think that's talking about the role of pastors. Uh, in, uh, in this passage today, what are the differences between pastors and deacons? Pastors must be able to teach and exercise authority. It doesn't say that about deacons. I think, biblically, that a woman can be a deacon. And we're not used to that idea because we're used to having the deacon as all the, all the men that we have ordained. But um, I would say, like I said, a treasurer is a deacon. A clerk is a deacon. I think those roles that we set aside and elect as a church are really deacon-like roles. And let me step back a moment. We have today in our churches... All kinds of different roles, don't we? We've got pastors, deacons, we've got associate pastors, we have, we have the youth pastors, we have uh, Sunday school directors, we have uh, uh, nursery coordinators, all these kinds of things. The Bible only gives us two officers. So where do we put all these offices? I'm convinced that basically everything boils down to these two. 
And, and those who are doing the spiritual leading of the church, those who are doing the primary teaching and exercising authority roles, should be pastors. And those who are doing the serving kind of roles, those that are elected and recognized by the church, those serving kind of roles, whether it be nursery coordinator, whether it be taking care of benevolence ministry or all those things, those are, whether we call them that or not, deacon kind of roles. Does that make sense? It may be kind of foreign. But I, I, I mean... What other role does the Bible give? They only give us two, two um, uh, offices within the church. I say that because otherwise I think if we want to be biblical, then we get rid of all those other offices. But I don't think that's necessary. We need someone to be the treasurer. We need someone to keep track of our church role. We need someone to coordinate the nursery. All those things are important. So... If we want to stick to the Bible, where do we classify those things? Finally, I've alluded to this. I find myself weak in some of these areas. And maybe as you examine your life, you might find some ways, some places where you find yourself weak as well. Which gives me the perfect opportunity to bring us back to the gospel. I think none of us can be perfect. We have all fallen short. We've all broken God's laws. We all sin every single day. And if you knew everything about my life, and you measure it up against this list, you'd probably say to me, how can you stand behind that pulpit? Only by the blood of Jesus. Only by the blood of Jesus. My sins have been washed as white as snow. And I run to Him. And that's the same thing each one of us must do. When we hear this list of character qualities, oftentimes what can happen is that we start to feel down. Because we hear that and think, I could never measure up. But the Gospel tells us, invites us to come to Jesus, throw ourselves at Him, and tell Him, I can't measure up, but Your righteousness is enough. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.